Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. This is Unbreakable with Jay Glazer, a mental wealth podcast. Build you from the inside out. Now, here's Jay Glazer. Welcome into Unbreakable, a mental wealth podcast with Jay Glazer. I'm Jay Glazer, and uh, I, I love having my friends on, so I have a friend of mine on today. But I love having friends of mine on also who have just, man, their story is incredible. They have worked their asses off to create these universes for themselves, which you could never imagine us. If we looked at from a little kid on, what would we become? And, and our guest has certainly done that. Before I get to her, if you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in this country experienced mental illness last year, yet far too many fail to receive the support they need. Carolyn Behavioral Health is doing something about it. They understand that behavioral health is a key part of whole health, delivering compassionate care that treats physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Carolyn Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. All right, talking about action, this woman is a man. She is a fire plug. She's a spark plug. And we became friends through Guy Fieri, who's been on the show as well. And she's, man, created this whole new universe, just like Guy has, that I'm just marvel at. And we just had her on our Fox Thanksgiving show in New York. And she took over the show, took over the set, Wowed all of us, the one and only super chef, Antonio LaFasa. She has three restaurants in L.A. She has Scopa. She has uh, Dama and uh, Black Market. She's all over the Food Network. She is better at TV than all of us who's on our show. And she is a, I'm proud to call her a super friend of mine now as well. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for that introduction. Like Absolutely. I was starting to sweat when you, when you were <laughs> reading off the, that like resume, I was like, wait, who, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's you. It's exactly what it is. I know. But you know, sometimes the years go on and you actually forget or, you know, don't necessarily calculate everything. Right. That's like, you know, what you've done, but thank you. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we all need hype people around us. Right. And here's the thing. Cause I want to get into like how you, you got to where you are in the restaurant biz, but even after that, like, I didn't go to school for TV. I did go for communications, but because of my ADHD, I didn't go to class, you know, so I got 
by on my 2.3 GPA at Pace College <laughs> or Pace University now downtown Manhattan. But I just kind of, you know, learned and picked it up. But later when we were doing our Thanksgiving show, man, you were just fantastic and, you know, knew how to hit time and you know, knew what we were looking for. And now you're on, how many TV shows are you on right now? On the Food I Network? mean, yeah, I mean, Food Network sometimes, I mean, it's crazy to think about it. I mean, you know, probably close to seven or eight, you know, it depends on, what, you know, what, what we're talking about. But yeah, it's, you know, I, I and I know what you're going to ask. The question I, is, how do you get good on, on TV? So I have to tell you, you know, and I've actually talked to producers about this, like, you know, should I be, you know, in some kind of communications class, like as, you know, as I was kind of coming up and, you know, what do you think about my presence here? And honestly, my only thought through this entire process was just be myself, try to communicate, you know, in a very sort of like, you know, a small amount of time, what it is that you're trying to say, you know, get, get right to the point. You know, Guy actually says this all the time, you know, try and talk in sound bites. That's like the best way to, to explain it. But at the heart of it, the core of it really is just being myself, you know, and I can date that back to my parents. You know, my dad would joke all the time. He's like, Oh my God, we would take you on an airplane from New York to California to visit family. And you were walking up and down the aisle, introducing yourself to like strangers on the plane. My name is Antonia. This is my brother, Dominic. We're going to California to visit. And just, I was just free in my ways of communication. And I just wanted to talk to people. And so, you know, when, when people ask, me that question. I'm like, there was no way of getting better at it. There was just practice in being who I am authentically. Right. Being authentic is huge. And, you know, you could lose that a lot on TV. Look, this is no, like all of us on our show, as you saw, right? You saw us in person. We're exactly on TV as we oh, are yeah. in person, right? 100%. We're all 100%. fucking crazy, but in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like the best part of it. You know, it's, it's like, you know, waiting your turn to talk, but also listening to what someone else is actually saying, not just waiting to say something, you know, like engaging with someone authentically, you know, giving people the information about what it is that you're doing and engaging. And it's it's all just social behavior, you know, that really I was taught by my parents. My my father's like one of the biggest, you know, he's, you know, a construction guy from New York and a, ta- a Sicilian construction guy from New York. But any place he went into, whether restaurant, whether it was a neighbor's house, it was like, how are you? Who are you? This is who I am, you know, and, and getting right down to the core of like authentic stories about himself, his family, just connect with people as quickly um, as possible so that you can like share in a real moment. I want people to hear this also because it's one of the greatest skills we could all have. And you talk a lot. I talk a lot. But the best skill we have is that we listen. And like people that are, you know, trying to be sideline reporters. And I always tell them that uh, in TV, like, yeah, you got to talk about your thing. But a lot of times we're trying to think about our next question and we never hear what that person across from us says. The best TV is that reaction to what somebody says. Oh, wow. They just said that. Oh, man, let's. Let's talk about it. And so many times people just gloss it over because they're trying to think about the next thing to say instead of hearing what that person is. And that's a great lesson for television, for business, for relationships, for anything. Specifically relationships, you know. <laughs> I remember being in one of those a while back. They're like, are you listening to me or just waiting for your turn to respond? I was like, hold on. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. Now, all right, so I want to talk about your journey to where you are. I mean, Scopa is mad. I love Scopa. It's so freaking incredible. I've come out to Los Angeles. It's in Santa Monica. Get your ass over to Scopa. It's Thanks. fucking unbelievable. But, again, being in the restaurant business and owning a restaurant are two different things. Take take us all through your journey to how you got here. 
Well, you know, I mean, you know, very much the same. I didn't go to college. You know, I, I took a couple of classes in like, uh, I think it was, you know, the history of movies in like the fifties, uh, you know, cause I was like, I don't know what I want to be, but I've always cooked, you know, as a very young girl, I was always, you know, my parents own restaurants and delis and I was just always in the hospitality industry. You know, I started on a hot dog on a stick when I was 16 years old because I needed to be able to like pay my insurance on the car my parents bought me and, you know, slinging corn dogs at the mall. And not realizing, you know, this is like 1995 that this is an opportunity that this, that this is a profession, right? That this is a profession for me that, you know, if you look at a lot of, there was no television, culinary competitions, uh, you know, food shows, very, very small amount, you know, you had, um, and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't see what you see now. Right. So it's like, you know, when I see kids on the street, they're like, oh my God, I grew up watching you. I was like, oh my God, that's how long I've been doing this and where it becomes an actual like profession. And so, you know, I was just working in restaurants and I was like, you know, this is what I want to do. Not with the idea of being on television, not with the idea of doing cooking shows or cooking competition shows. It was like, I just cannot get food out of my system. I want to eat it. I want to serve it. I want to cook it. I want to share it with people. And that's kind of where it started. And I, you know, I worked for Wolfgang Puck for many, many years after I went to culinary school. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, I worked for him at uh, his flagship Spago in Los Angeles. So got this like incredible, you know, Michelin star background. Uh, you know, how, how did you get that gig? Ready for this? My brother was sleeping with one of the waitresses. Okay. Not that hard. He was like, it's, it's like, it's like there, was, there was no like rhyme or reason. To, like, you know, I didn't have to, you know, I don't know, jump through that many hoops, but I did go in, you know, in my like little blazer with my resume and my diploma. And I remember giving it to the chef in the kitchen. Like I graduated second in my class and he was like, oh, could care less. Like could care less. He was just like, how hard do you work? Like basically how long can you withstand, you know, the work in the kitchen and let's see how hard you can work. And I came in and I did like a 12 hour stage. I think he like changed a light bulb during my interview with him. I was like, they're all nervous. And he was like changing a light bulb. He's like, I don't really care. How can you come in tomorrow and try out? Like words didn't matter. It was like, what can, let me see what you can do. And so I came in, I did like a 12 hour stage with him and I worked with the fish guy and uh, he's like, yeah, she's good enough. We can put her in like Garmage three, which basically is just like, I can like heat up soups and maybe make salads. And that was it. And I worked Garmage three in the lunch prep for uh, at Spago for, I don't know, probably like three years until like the girl who cooked foie gras and was able to like make salmon salads got unfortunately had to go have surgery. And I was like, yes, I have a chance to move up. Like, cause that's how cutthroat it was at the time. Like you didn't move up unless somebody quit, got fired or got sick. And that was like, that was the truth. And so I just kind of made my way through the Wolfgang Puck kitchen for many, many years. I became their first female pizza uh, cook. I worked their grill. I worked the fish station. I worked the pasta station. I worked every station. Um, I would go home after lunch service, come back and work the parties for dinner service. I would stay until like two o'clock in the morning and clean foie gras like late at night. And I just tried to soak up every part of that kitchen that I possibly could. And then I left. Because I was like, I've been here long enough. Uh, there's no room for growth. This is like the the opportunity where I'm going to stay here and just sort of execute Wolfgang Puck's food for the rest of my life. Or I'm going to go out on my own and see what else is out there in the world and potentially open up something on my own, right? And so I left. I left with honors. Was there another opportunity? You just said, I'm just going to so, put myself out there. It was so scary because every chef in that kitchen was like, I can't believe you're going to get ready to leave this this empire, Right. 
to go work for, and at the time, SBE had just partnered with Michael Mina. SBE is with Sam Nazarian's restaurant uh, restaurant group here in Los Angeles. You know, they had a lot of different nightclubs. They had Hyde. Uh, they had partnered with Katsuya to, to make Katsuya more of like a, you know, high-end sushi brand. Jose Andres, had, they had just purchased the SLS Hotel. So Jose was going in there. Michael Mina was opening up 14 on Sunset next to Hyde. And so in my mind, I'm like, get in at the bottom part of like this restaurant group that's opening these restaurants with all of these, you know, different chefs that you've never worked with. And the only opportunity they had for me was to work at the Abbey. Do you know the Abbey in West yeah, Hollywood? Absolutely. Yeah. So it was, I knew at that point I was going to, you know, have an opportunity to get in and work at their supper club, which was Foxtail. And that's what happened at the time. And so I then was able to go and open their, one of their first supper clubs, which was Foxtail. Um, and at the same time, got on the very first or the fourth season of Top Chef. So their PR team was super excited that I came in and that I had all this background and all this knowledge that I was getting ready to be, you know, the chef of this new uh, supper club that they were excited about opening that I had like, you know, tried out for. They loved what I was doing. The CEO at the time, um, Eric Berghammer, who I think actually now is the, is like a, one of the big executives at um, what, what's the music company that's like taken over everything? Live Nation. Okay. And so he was like, we want to give you this opportunity. Same time I went and did Top Chef and it just kind of blew everything out of the water. They're like, oh my God, she just did so great on Top Chef. Oh my God, she's going to. So I went from being like a line cook sous chef at Spago and at the Abbey to all of a sudden being catapulted into executive chef of a new like hot supper club and had just finaled the season four of Top Chef. And so it was like, all of a sudden, it was like a whirlwind of, you know, going from absolutely this to like this. Well, back, back up. So when you're a line chef or a sous chef, I don't know what kind of pay that is. Where How hard is life? I started at $7.50 an hour. Okay. When I left Spago, I was making $13.50 an hour. Wow. Really? Yep. yep. And wow. when I started. Wow. Yep. And when I started my first sous chef position at the Abbey, I was making $32,000 a year. Big upgrade from the 750, but still Is it? living in LA, 32 <laughs> yeah. grand. I hear you. You and I connect on this, right? I was making my nine grand a year for 11 years. Yeah. Like I, I get the struggle. It was, it was real. And actually the crazy part is when I first started at Spago, I was offered a job at the Peninsula Hotel making $11 an hour versus the 750. But I knew what I could learn at Spago making the 750 because everything was made from scratch. The pastas, the pizzas, the doughs, the, uh, at literally every, we were getting whole animals in for fabrication. The Peninsula is a larger, you know, company. So a lot of that stuff is like fabricated outside of the venue. So I knew I was going to take a pay cut, but I would make it up in wealth of knowledge. If you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in the United States experienced mental illness last year. Yet far too many people with mental health needs fail to receive the treatment and support necessary to elevate their quality of life. Carillon Behavioral Health is doing something about it. Born out of one of the largest healthcare organizations in the country, Carillon Behavioral Health believes that behavioral health is a key part of whole health. With 40 plus years of experience and 115,000 in-network providers, they understand the power of meaningful connection and compassionate care, treating physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Carillon Behavioral Health is there to not only help individuals in need, but caregivers, parents, and communities 
so everyone comes out stronger on the other side. Carillon Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Is it hard being a female chef? You know, there's just not that there's just not wasn't that many of us like I was the only female chef that worked during the day at Spago. I was the only female in the kitchen. And at night there was another girl named Meta and we kind of looked alike. So I was actually just called Day Meta because we looked alike. And so for a long time, they were just like, oh, it's Day Meta. I was like, you mean Antonia. And so there's just yeah, there there just wasn't many of us. And so you either you either played with the big boys or, you know, or it was very difficult. It seems to me, too, there's a lot of that almost. Same kind of ribbing, hazing, everything you'd have like in the NFL locker room, the, the world that I'm in. A hundred percent. And the, the crazy part is like, I actually didn't mind it. You know what I mean? Like I like to, I like to play around, you know, and honestly, I also grew up in a kitchen though, like the Spago kitchen, like they were very respectful, like all of the chefs in there, like the, the, the world that I lived in, like it wasn't some of the horror stories that I've heard from, you know, a lot of like other people, like my, my chefs were amazing. They taught me, they loved me. They, you know, I mean, we all mess with each other big time, but like there was a lot of respect, which was great. Okay. Now, all right, go from there. So, um, so well, I opened my first restaurant, and then I fa- and it failed after a year. You open it because now people knew who you were from Top Chef, so you can get investors. Or it all so no, so I was able to open up Foxtail just based on my merit. Like Eric Berghammer at the time fought for me; he loved me. He was just like, "You're going to love this girl. Like she's 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 who needs to open Foxtail." Um, I met Brent Bolthouse at the time, who had who had um, you know basically was like the largest club promoter in all of Los Angeles. Yeah, he now owns like all the bungalows, like all throughout Los Angeles. The one at, you know, in Santa Monica and there's, uh, another one, uh, up in the north and near San Francisco and, and Long Beach. Um, and so it's like all these people were kind of just starting out and it was you, you open. You didn't own it. You were opening the, the, I just opened it. I was just an employee. I was okay, just, okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. That's fine. And so, and, and a lot of the things were all, a lot of the decisions were taken away from me because again, I was an employee. I wasn't a partner. I wasn't a chef that came in really at the time. Like you're talking about, this is like 2000 and 
2004, no, 2005, 2006. And so really, if you look back at like the history of when chefs started to really get equity, you know, sweat equity for restaurants, I mean, that's really only started over the last like 10 years, you know, 10, 15 years, really. It's been, it's not a long uh, period. Like most of the time chefs were just hired. They made a salary, you know, they built these concepts along with the money and they really had no equity in the business if it did well. And so this all went down. Uh, the restaurant was right above a nightclub. They were very specific about who came in there, like the very LA uh, scene of this isn't about the food. It's more about just who's here and what they're drinking. And can, you know, can it's just the restaurant's like a pit stop before they go into the nightclub. And I was like, wait a second, like, that's not what I was planning. And this isn't the food I wanted to do. And, you know, so there was just a lot of uh, tension and a lot of um, like riff between myself and, and I was someone who spoke up, even though I had never opened a restaurant before, I knew in my gut what was right and what was wrong. I knew what I felt intuitively. I can get behind this. I can't get behind this. So I was sort of like the loudest one in the room screaming, like, this isn't going to work. This doesn't feel right. I don't like the direction it's going. And everyone's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. We're still doing it. Like you can either stay on the train or get off the train. And the train didn't even make it a year and a half. And, you know, they're like, oh, you know, people don't like the club and we have to lower the music so that people can dine downstairs and people don't like the chairs. I was like, these are all the things that like we talked about before it it opened, you know, like how are we going to charge someone like $90 for a steak when they have to sit on a stool? You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like the seating doesn't make sense. The tables don't make sense. Like, you know, Biggie Smalls blaring upstairs at the nightclub while people are trying to, you know, enjoy a $700 bottle of wine downstairs doesn't make sense. And so it just, it became a, it was a failure and I almost stopped cooking. I like, yeah, I was like, I took six months of severance and I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. The, the headlines read like, you know, literally throughout, you know, any food blog, any food publication, it was just like how poorly I had done. Um, you know, I was like a flash in the pan because I had done so well on Top Chef and see, I really didn't have like the gumption to see it through. Oh, people went after me so hard. It was so bad. How did you handle that? Oh my God. I went and hid, uh, in my bedroom for like four months and just took care of my daughter and was like, I don't think I'm going to cook anymore. And, uh, my daughter's father at the time was just like, you are sad and depressed and you're sad and depressed because you're not cooking. And he actually, at the time, he's really good friends with Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy was looking for a private chef and I had never done private chefing before. And he's like, listen, just to get you back on the horse, why don't you just go cook up at Eddie's for a couple of days a week and like, you know, just get your like mojo back and enjoy yourself. Like, remember why you like cooking. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm like, I do need a job because my, my severance is running out. And I, you know, it was like, you know, when Stella got her groove back in that movie, like Angela Bassett, like that was me, like with Eddie Murphy. I just watched that two weeks ago with Rosie. Yeah. So good. Minus the sex. Like it was, (laughs) no, but honestly, like I went up there, I was so well received by this family that just wanted good food and had an unlimited budget. And I made three different proteins and two cakes and different kinds of starches. And and I just had the best time cooking for him, you know, and I did that for like two years I basically built my way back. You know, I, they asked me to come back and do Top Chef All-Stars again. I was like, totally like, I don't want to do that again because the notoriety doing so well in it the first time, what people expected from me in Los Angeles. And then when I didn't deliver, it was just like, you know, it was like, you know, men in pitchforks chasing after me and, and, you know, being like, don't let her open anything. Like the, the guys, this was the best part. I think it was Think Food Group, not Think Food Group, was it? Um, one of the food groups that does, um, what's that restaurant? Uh, was it Koi Sushi? Like, I remember putting my resume into it. They wouldn't even call me back. Like, would not even call me back. 
Like I was like scarlet letter. Wow. And I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to go back and do Top Chef All-Stars. And if I do it, I have to commit to it because I was trying to sell a, my book at the time. Back it up here too. Cause I know, and you know, I've talked about it, I don't know, but yeah. we all, we all deal with, with anxiety when things like that happen to us. We, it's so loud for us with those with, with anxiety where you think everybody's looking at you and everybody's point and then, and most of the time they're not, but it's just so loud for us. It's hard for us to get through it. But like you said, like the lesson there, you've got to like get back to what you do that you love, but it is hard. You've got to figure it. You, it's, it's a, it's a rare skill or trait to be able to tune out those voices and those roommates in your head that everybody's staring, pointing and laughing. Well, it was, it was probably the scariest moment of my life because the thing that I loved the most, which was cooking and hospitality was there was a part of it where I was like, I can't do this. I shouldn't do this. I don't belong there. They don't want me. And, you know, and Zaya's dad at the time, you know, who's in entertainment, he, you know, who had seen failure himself. And I think we don't talk enough about that part. Like successful people don't talk about how many times they fell down and almost stopped and, you know, like skin their knees so bad that they thought they'd never walk again, kind of a thing. And that's what this podcast is for, for exactly that. In that moment, I had a choice, you know what I mean? And he said this to me and mind you, him and I weren't together at the time. And in fact, we were actually not in the greatest space other than being Zaya's parents, but I respected his knowledge in the career world, you know, so much that I was like, listen to what he's saying, because he's just saying this to you because he's been there before, which is like, get up. Yes. Who cares if anyone is talking and they're no one cares. Do you know what I mean? And do the thing that you love and start over. You can start over. And I was like, okay. And I did, I started over and then got into the restaurant industry uh, with business partners that I was like, in that moment, I was like, Here's the thing. If we don't open up something that we both can mutually agree upon, then we shouldn't do this. And the crazy part is, are you ready for this, Jay, of like points in the universe that connect? Okay. This awful experience that I had where I almost stopped cooking because I opened this restaurant with SBE. At the time, one of the bartenders there who was just learning his mixology craft and his spirit craft is Pablo Moy, who is my now business partner, who actually introduced me to the business partners that we built the last three restaurants with, built basically a $20 million restaurant empire over the last 11 years. And so this awful experience that I had that I was like, oh my God, this almost stopped my entire career. I met someone there who then connected me and we all connected to build what have been some of the proudest restaurant moments of my life, which are Black Market, Scopa, and Dama, which are three restaurants in a major market like Los Angeles that have survived recessions, COVID, you know, all the things that, 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 t- that have taken restaurants out, you know, ours are, you know, still supported and thriving. If you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in the United States experienced mental illness last year. Yet far too many people with mental health needs fail to receive the treatment and support necessary to elevate their quality of life. Carillon Behavioral Health is doing something about it. Born out of one of the largest healthcare organizations in the country, Carillon Behavioral Health believes that behavioral health is a key part of whole health. With 40 plus years of experience and 115,000 in-network providers, they understand the power of meaningful connection and compassionate care, treating physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Carillon Behavioral Health is there to not only help individuals in need, 
but caregivers, parents, and communities so everyone comes out stronger on the other side. Carillon Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. What was the hardest, well, for me, again, I, I always go back to about nine grand a year for the 11 years, but like, it's interesting. Like, I got rejected for all those 11 years for a full-time job. But now I look at it like I try and use my mental health issues as my superpower. So like my depression told me I was worthless and, you know, you were worthy of being rejected. So I didn't mind getting rejected. It turns out it ended up helping me. Okay, fine. But fucking A was miserable. But, you know, you have a lot of these moments you look back and you're like, oh, my God, that was – I can't believe I, I pulled myself out of that. But the opposite of that, I've had these moments I'm like, oh, my God. Like, how did I get here? And I'm still waiting to wake up in fifth grade, and my mom wakes me up in school, and none of this happened. What was your first moment of, oh, my God, how did I get here? Um, You know, I think it was, you know, tr- truthfully, I think it was, like, pretty recent. And I know this is yeah. going to sound so crazy, right? Because, you know, in the midst of me closing this restaurant, going back and back to Top Chef, Zaya's dad had passed away. And so even with all of this like restaurant failure, what am I going to do? Then on top of it, my partner who was supposed to be, you know, financially partnership, you know, raising child partnership is now gone and it's just me. And so I was like, what else can happen? Like that's where, that's where I lived for a very, very long time with just waiting for the other shoe to fall. So there's so much that's happened with building black market, that being successful building Scopa, that being successful, then building Dama, that being successful, raising my daughter and just trying to get through the day to day because my anxiety is through the roof. I'm having anxiety attacks. I don't have a choice but to go to work and make things happen because otherwise she doesn't get shoes on her feet because I can't make money type type of reality, right? There was no life insurance. I didn't have anything to kind of like fall back on. So I was just like in the middle of the ocean and I was like, you either don't stop swimming or you drown, like end of story. And so really that all just settled like probably over the last like 
four years, you know, where I've like been able to take a deeper breath, been able to like make money. My daughter's like, you know, in her own world, doing her own thing where I've been like, oh my goodness, I'm finally come out of this cocoon of just doing right. And not even realizing what the hell I've created over the last 10 years. Right. So like, I'm not making a joke when you read my resume, sometimes I'm like, I'm still in awe of it, but it was, I was driving, you'll get a kick out of this again, because I'm still in the, I only make $7 and 50 cent mentality. I was driving a a car that I had won on Top Chef and this car, my daughter learned to drive in it. The entire side was ripped off. There were like rips in the leather of the seat, you know, where the kitchen starts to come out. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And now mind you, I'm like making money. (laughs) Okay. But in my mind, i still make $7 and 50 cents now. And I'm, I haven't even come to like, like haven't even like taken account for everything I've done. And my brother, you know, uh, my younger brother, who's uh, 20, I think he was like 24 at the time had just gotten divorced and was, was kind of like not doing well in a, in a way. And his wife had taken the car and he's like, I can't get to work, Antonia. I know you were talking about selling your car. Would you sell me your car? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give you my car because this car was gifted to me and I'm going to go buy myself a car. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I like, I gifted, I was like so excited that I could gift my brother this car. Of course that was falling apart, but he loves it and thinks it's like the best car in the world. And I went to the Range Rover dealership and I bought myself a Range Rover and I walked in and I could like swipe my credit card for like the down payment on the thing. My credit score is amazing because I've never used it for anything. Do you know what I mean? Because I've just had my head, you know, buried in the sand. And in that moment, I was just like, I can't believe that I can actually like buy myself this car. Like, and I literally, I drove out of the dealership like sobbing because for the last 10 years I had, I was in the mode of like, what does my daughter need? Yeah. I was in full survivor mode. When is the next shoot? When is the next like attack going to happen on my life? Um, when is the next shoe going to, something bad's going to happen? When is it going to happen? I'm waiting for it. Okay. Sure. They said the restaurant's doing good. Sure. I'm collecting paychecks and I'm just putting them in the bank, but I'm not living. Like I'm not having any kind of life. And in that moment, I still look at this car now and everyone's just like, it's really nice. And I was, and it's the crazy part was everyone's response to me buying this car for myself. They're like, you just, I can't, I can't believe it took you. I can't, you just like, I was like crying every time I went near someone because they were like, you deserve this so much. I can, I'm so happy you did this for yourself. And I was like, I can't believe how many people were talking about how I wasn't doing anything for myself right. or or enjoying anything that had happened. And so the truth is I haven't really been able to enjoy anything that has happened because I've just been in full survivor mode. And it's really just of recent where I was like, I'm going to buy myself this car, but really only because my brother was like, I need a car. And I was like, <laughs> so if, if this Antonia could go back to Antonia from 10, 15 years ago, would you have advice for her? So she could enjoy it earlier. Like, how would you talk to her? You know, I don't, I don't know if I would change anything actually. You know, I think what I would, I think if my, uh, this Antonia self could tell my younger Antonia self anything is just like, it'll be fine. Cause that's what like this self tells my future self, right? Like when I have these still spirals of like, at any given moment, everything could be taken away from me. At any given moment, I will have no work. At any given moment, you know, I went through this whole period where I wasn't competing very well. And I was like, okay, now I can't cook. That's great awesome. Like now I'm just like not even a good chef anymore. I would just always remind myself that it actually always will be okay. 
you will always be okay, no matter what the outcome is. You know, sometimes we don't like the path. We don't like the answer in the moment. We don't realize the answer in the moment leads to something greater, far better for you tenfolds down the road. And that the path is backwards and down and up and left and right, not straight. That I would just kind of say that to her to kind of give her a little like pat, you know, but not not change anything. And look, we do people who are driven like we are. Anybody who's successful has been through so much and so much heartache and so much. I'm not going to call it failure because it's not part of the journey, but the rejection and the fuck ups and the hurdles and the that's it. Life that you're you're you could be successful because you've been able to deal with more hurdles than most and overcome 100%. more than everybody else. And, you know, I always say like, and I learned this from a therapist of mine, uh, cause I wake up every day and, my, and it says to me also the roommates in my head, man, universe is going to come crashing down around you. And I got this therapist said, no, the universe conspires to help us. Yeah. We got to somehow convince ourselves and, and let that sink in. And if we can, you know, the world could be a lot less scary for us and, it's exactly, I think, what you're doing here. Like, hey, it's going to be okay, but so hard for us to to comprehend while right. we're in that battle. And even after you're successful, like, look, there's still, you know, a lot of us who are at the top. Like, we have, like, we have this monster in us that you know makes us think that tomorrow we're all going to be canceled and over and done, and it's all going to be gone. And it's, I've been going through it, and I've been, you know, I've been on Fox for 20 years, and you know, me and, me and Terry Bradshaw, well, uh, oh, this this. We're, we're out after this year. We're done here. It's just like, that's what the roommates in our head tell us when we're the best of what we do. Oh, yeah. I just went through the period where, you know, I wasn't competing just very well. And I was like, okay, it's just a matter of time now. Like, I've just gotten too old and I can't do it anymore. And I've lost the, you know, I've lost all of these young people to come in. They just know so much more than you do. And have, and I was like, uh, and and then I remember, you know, guy was like, you're doing Turn of Champions one more time this year. And I was like, nauseous and like sick to my stomach about it, you know? And, you know, I came out of the gate last year, like, a monster, a monster, you know, and just, you know, handled it in such a big way. And so I don't know. It doesn't matter. I hope you see, here's the thing for me. I look at you like you're a gangster, right? And you've already done it. It doesn't matter if you win or lose now. You've done it already. You already did it. And I, I try and tell this to people who are, you know, used to be world champions in fighting. And I tell it to people who played in the NFL, like, dude, you did it just because the uniform's off. Doesn't mean you're still not a gangster. You'll always be a gangster. And you've got to realize that also, like, you're there. You've done it. It's not a week by week thing. And that's what we, too many of us do that. Like, oh man, this week I do it. Like, damn crap. This week I don't have a lot of scoops. Fuck, man. I suck. And yeah, it's no, it's, we've done it. We've done it at the highest level, but we got to play mind games with ourselves to make sure that we, we have to give ourselves that grace. Well, the crazy part is, let me ask you this question. Cause I feel like. This is the weird part, right? Like I am the most self-deprecating person alone. Like Greg will tell you, he'll be like, oh my God, she's spiraling. Just give her some space. Like she'll come back. Don't worry. Then you put me in a room where I have to sell myself. And I'm like okay. my big, biggest cheerleader. Yes. I'm like, you want to know what I could do? You want to know what I could do? <laughs> like, it's like, how do these two people live together? Right, right, right. <laughs> Why could you do it? So how do you get yourself, Antonio, to then start, make sure you're the, those people in the room and you sell yourself to your yeah. Sell myself to myself. Sell myself to myself. Right. That's what we have to do. A million percent. So many times like producers will be like, oh my God, have you ever seen Antonia in the room with like the president of Food Network? She murders it. She kills it. And I'm like, yeah, put her in the room. I was like, yeah, put me in the room, coach. Like, let me in, you know? And then I get in the room and they're like, we love you. We'll give you anything. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) then I go home and I'm like, nobody likes me. (laughs) (laughs) Give me now that you're, you're, you've been on TV and you're this 
The big name. And it's so funny because Antonia and I were at, I was throwing a Super Bowl party a couple of years ago and I roll up with, it was me, her, Wiz Khalifa and, and Guy Fieri and our guys at Fox, one of my, our producer, you, you got Antonia LaFosse here? Oh my God. Oh my, I, I just want to meet her. I just want to meet her. Right. So now, now that you are where you've been on TV. That's because Bill loves Scopa. That's because Bill loves Scopa. Nobody loves you. But give me your moment of like, that someone has come up to you and you're like, Holy fuck, how did I get like someone just recognized me from TV that like I can't believe this shit happened. Like I'm gonna tell you real quick, like mine was I'm I'm a I'm well, two things. I'm at the Emmys and I just went with some Fox people and I'm in the bathroom and these big stars come in, they're like, oh My God, Jay Glazer, dude, I, I started Jason Witten on fantasy team this morning because of what you said where well, he's gonna play or is that and they hey there's Jay Glazer and I'm like what and they're like, Oh dude, I go out of your stuff for my fantasy football team and I'm like, Is this really fucking happening right now? And they're all big stars. And I'm like, God, how did I get here? Give me your moment like that. So it was actually a guy's uh, uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame because it was Matthew McConaughey. Yes. Like Matthew McConaughey was there and he was just he like. He presented him. Yes. He presented him and he knew, like when he walked by, he's like, and Antonio's here? I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like it was insane to me that these celebrities like Selena Gomez, when I did Selena show, she was just like, the, like someone came up to me at like the, um, the food and wine event. And they were just like, you know, Selena Gomez only follows like 20 pe- Like, you know, she's got like some very small, you know, she has like 20, you know, however many million people follow her, but she's like, literally has like this many people. And, and I'm like one of the people she follows. And so it's like, when you have these moments where you're like, Oh my God, these huge celebrities that literally run that people look up to and run the, they, and then they're like, but you made this blah, blah, blah. I was like, I just can't even believe that that's part of your like yeah. vocabulary. That's like on the bigger level, right? On the, on the much more like important level of like where I feel like I've touched people and I want to cry about it is I will randomly get DMs and a lot happened when I gave the commencement speech at the culinary school a couple of years ago here in Los Angeles. And to this day, I still get random kids that I gave the speech to that are in Los Angeles that are still working that will see me in restaurants and they'll come up to me and they go, you gave this speech and talked about and they will pick a piece that I talked about. You know, mostly what I always say is don't skip the middle. Everyone wants, you know, to just they started and then they just want to be successful. I'm like, don't skip the middle. The, the middle is the most important part. And I've had students come up and quote that back to me. And I want to cry because I'm like, oh, my God, they heard me. These young little sponges who are so excited about this culinary industry that, you know, has jaded so many of us. And me, I've wanted to quit, love it, hate it, all the things, right? Remembered that one piece that I said to them, they hung on to it, right? And it's like, I changed this or I changed my path and now I'm doing this. And I love what I do because you said this. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've changed the course of certain people's lives because of something I've said. And that. to me, that's like, you know, so far, cause my, my last question before the final last question was going to be like, Hey, give me the best business advice you can give the people out there. And then I think you just answered it. Don't skip the middle. <laughs> that's amazing. The middle is the, the middle is like the hardest. Yeah. It is the shit. You know what I mean? It's the, it's the, you know, I stepped in shit for 10 years kind of feeling, but it is like the most important part. I love that. All right. Here's my last question for you. I asked all my guests, give me the moment that any time in your life, career, anything that could have broken, you should have and didn't. And as a result, you came out of the other side of that tunnel much stronger 
with this mental wealth we're talking about? You know, is probably the day that Zaya's dad died, like without question. That was when I think about my life, I think about it in before and after, right? So when he was here and now when he's gone, my life split into two pieces. And it was a situation that without question should have broken me, right? Like uh, financially, um, I was in no way, shape or form ready to just take care of her financially by myself. Um, you know, emotionally, did I want to do it by myself? No. You know, I was, my daughter was 11 years old at the time. I had just opened black market. I'm trying to figure out my own career. And I talk about this all the time. It's like success out of necessity, right? Like I didn't have a moment. I, I had a choice in that moment. Like I was either going to be like victimized by this horrific thing that happened or I was going to take it and use that fuel to like put me in a situation that was far better than where I had started. And it was something that like every single day of like, you know, my young daughter not wanting to go to school, not understanding why I was, why I was at work, you know, still being, trying to like open restaurants and build teams and every piece of that shouldn't have worked in theory. Every single piece of it, right? Like should not have worked in theory. And, you know, none of it was easy. You know, I I literally spent probably like 10 years in purgatory or, or what felt like purgatory. And, but now the incredible thing is like my daughter did an interview with me for something, uh, probably like a year ago. And all she talks about is my strength. All she talks about is my perseverance. All she talks about is remembering how I was almost catatonic when he first died and couldn't even figure out how to get us to New York. And then all she remembers is me like making every dream of hers come true. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's incredible. That's one of the coolest answers I've ever had on that question. Yeah. That is amazing. Are you proud of yourself? I, I, you know, it's weird. I just, when people ask, people say that all the time, like, I'm so proud of you or you should be proud of yourself. I'm like, it almost just felt like it was my duty. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, no, your fucking answer needs to be, yes, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> I can't say anything nice. What's wrong with you? Oh, yeah, God. It, it needs to be. Can I okay, yeah. say it? My, my gut visceral reaction is not to be able to do that, but yes. Okay. Thank you, Jay. Yes. Thank you. I love it. Antonio LaFosso, I love you. I appreciate you. I love you. appreciate you as a friend. I appreciate you for what we learned from you as well. Thank you so much for joining the Unbreakable Mental Wealth Podcast. You're the best. Thank you. You're the best. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more 
and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.